They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. We bring you another edition of Throwback Mania, Road to WrestleMania. This is my pick, the host, Ron Pashery. WrestleMania 30. I believe the last one to be called by its number. I don't think they've done it since. I don't think they'll ever do it again. You picked well, my friend. <laughs> well, thank well. you. I am here once again with Mr. Sexy Punakana, then now forever. Feel the sexy. <laughs> CK and Joe Rodermill. And the voice that runs the place, the European champion, Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. Still, unfortunately, hailing from Bangor, Maine, as no one from the state of Maine has downloaded our podcast yet. I looked at the numbers today. We've been downloaded in 33 states and 21 countries, but not one person has listened to us in the state of Maine. we got to reach out to our contacts in Bangor. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we have to get there. Uh, I'll contact Julie Gaffney. Yeah, <laughs> do it. The hottest goalie of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mighty Ducks 2, right? Yep. And three. Um, <laughs> oh, she wasn't three. Okay. She was a sexy goaltender. <laughs> she was. She was gorgeous. Yeah, high school me was definitely enjoyed Julie Gaffney. Um, so I guess we'll start off. Alo, you want to give us the rating system for any listeners who may have forgotten it? Yeah, if it's a horrible show, it's a job. If it falls somewhere in the middle, it's a slobber knocker. If it's a fantastic show, it's a showstopper. And if you really hate it, it took a trump. Yeah. Yes, I don't want to forget that. <laughs> I don't think we'll need that rating for this one. But Joey, would you like to kick off with your rating? Uh, well, this was kind of um, not that long ago, and I remembered a lot of it. Uh, for me, it was a showstopper oh. for, for, for many reasons. And it kind of, kind of after watching this WrestleMania, it made me kind of even more dreary about the WrestleMania we have <laughs> coming up, just one looming right around the corner <laughs> as far as the match quality compared to this one and the one we have coming. That's a good point. Alo? You know... I didn't know how I felt about this show four, four years ago, and I kind of still don't know. If it's really? Still, yeah, because there were there weren't there weren't lows. It was just like, how do I how do I feel? Because a lot of times, a lot, well, mainly the Brock Lesnar Undertaker situation, you didn't really know how to feel. So, um, I'll give it a. I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a, a high slobber knocker because so there are things that are there. Um, the in ring, the in, from an in ring perspective, it might not have been the best, but there was a lot of story t- told throughout the night. So I'll get to that later into the Bray, Bray Wyatt John Cena situation, but I'll give it a, um, a high slobber knocker. Um, so for me, so the reason why I picked this one, this was the first WrestleMania that I had watched live in. I guess eight years, I believe. Um, I had just gotten the WWE Network three weeks prior. I was not watching wrestling at all. I was not even a casual fan. But I was like, you know what? For $9.99 a month, I get to see any HBK match I want whenever I want. I get to watch any Macho Man match whenever I want. I can watch any pay-per-view whenever I want. Decide to dabble. It's worth the ten. Yeah, it's worth the ten bucks just for that. So of course, the one Sunday I'm sitting there, three weeks in, I'm like. I can watch WrestleMania. Like, it's just part of the deal. So I watched it. Um, I was aware of what was going on with Daniel Bryan. I had been tuning into Raw every now and again. I was pitching it to you. You had been pitching it to me for at least a year. The Daniel Bryan phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was fully, I believe I watched Raw the week prior. uh, when I think it was when Daniel Bryan came back from the beating laid on him by Triple H. 
and he kind of turned the tables going into into WrestleMania. Um, I have the the city of New Orleans has a very special place in my heart. I've spent a lot of time there. Uh, so seeing you sure a lot the of Silver the. Dome? Uh, they were not, believe it or not, the Silver Dome. as much as some old racist wrestlers might have wanted you to believe, it was the Pontiac Silver Dome oh, okay. from WrestleMania 3. Glad we cleared that up. It was not. I don't, the Pontiac Silver Dome didn't even exist anymore at this time. <laughs> it is Ford Field now. Uh, when WWE WrestleMania became all grown up at WrestleMania 23. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, th- this city, this event being kind of part of the catalyst of me getting back on board with WWE... Uh, I thought it was a great show. So it has a special place for me. So some of this might be sentimental, but I'm also going to give it a showstopper. Huh. Uh, yeah, I, I'm usually, like I said, I'm pretty judicious with my showstoppers, but... Something about this one just kind of tickled your Yeah, th- this one, this has a lot of meaning to me, and I think we've talked a lot about, like, some moments and, like, what things mean more so than, like, what the actual production itself is. And this definitely falls in that category for me. Two in one month, you got to slow down, buddy. I know, yeah. Well, we probably won't Going get one fast. of those for a while. <laughs> what was the other one I gave the, the show? 17. To? Oh, yeah, that definitely was deserved. Yeah, I think next month you'll give, you'll give one. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know I am. <laughs> and um, I also want to say that pre- predictability in wrestling isn't always bad. No. Because you kind of knew what the outcome was going to be, but it's not bad. It was, And the story was told properly. Yeah, they st- told the story the right way. They made you believe in a way, from the story standpoint, that it was an uphill battle and it wasn't going to happen. And the way it folded out, no one, no one really hated it. Yeah, because They it, loved every minute of it. Yeah, because this was like booking one-on-one. This mm-hmm. is the most simplest thing. Is they got it right. And predictability isn't always a bad thing. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, if, if you... Look, a lot of times we know what the destination is going to be, but if you make the journey to get there fun and enjoyable, then you'll pay off the destination, whether we knew where it was going to go or not. Um, And they definitely did a good job with this. Uh, The opening vignette on this one I thought was great. They showed a lot of the city, like the culture of New Orleans. You had the whole Daniel Bryan, power of the people Thing that was going on, like him saying, yes "You movement. guys got me here." The Yes Movement, of Yes course. Movement, for as short-lived it was, was kind of epic. It, yeah, it, it transcended just sports entertainment. It, you saw it all around, from mm-hmm. sports venues to arenas. It just originated from Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I remember seeing it like a Michigan State basketball game before the game. The whole crowd was doing the Yes chant. You saw it in some pro sports stadiums. Like the, it, it really did get huge. And that was one of those things where I've referenced this many times on the show. The night when Bray turned back, or when Bray, when Daniel Bryan turned back on Bray Wyatt, and him sitting on top of the steel cage doing the S chant, and they did a wide shot, and literally there was no one in that crowd who wasn't joining not, in. Yeah, not you rarely in a wrestling crowd see 100% of the people completely united behind something. And everybody was united behind this. I'll get to that at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, opening segment, as I mentioned, Hulk Hogan calling it the Silver Dome. In the WWF E network. <laughs> yeah, WWF for e a brief second. Network. Um, he was kind of fumbling a little bit. But he I mean, was. He didn't still, look like he was doing It's still the Hulkster. I mean, that, that, so bad. that had... That had you know, kind of goosebumps all over. Just did that right there. Yeah, as he was stumbling, the glass shatters and the roof blows off the Superdome <laughs> for Austin to make his entrance. Um, to me, that was the last time that the what chant was acceptable. Only when Stone Cold was around. Yeah, like that's the only time it's acceptable. Um, 
But you never know what Stone Cold's gonna do. The uh, the rattlesnake. He he, he kind of set himself up for a couple possible stunners against the Hulkster. Yeah. Which would have been. He did. He made it look like maybe he was gonna try to take out the Hulkster. <laughs> now the first time I saw this, you were WrestleMania. For it? The first time I saw this WrestleMania and when it came out, I was through the roof marking out <laughs> for these two out there. These are two kind of guys that you could argue could be on anyone's Mount Rushmore. Whether they are or not, you could argue yeah. pretty easily that it yeah, could there's a, a just, very just where they stand in the pantheon of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And watching it again the second time, I didn't mark out as hard, but I was still I was still yeah. on the edge of my seat <laughs> just uh, paying attention to everything. Yeah, when right when Austin gets going, The Rock comes out. I don't think anybody expected that, did they? No. Um, yeah, I, I assumed it was like a complete surprise that he came out. Um, my favorite thing that The Rock said was that he was out here with his good buddy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and his childhood hero, Hulk Hogan. Like, that's pretty cool. And that he compared, like, basically Hogan passed the torch on to Hustle, Loyalty, Respect, and John Cena, and Stone Cold passed his torch on to Daniel Bryan, who was now fighting against the authority. I like that he made that, tied those threads together. And then, of course, we got the three of them chugging beers to, to close the segment. Uh, so me being watching WrestleMania, not fully involved, I'm like, this is a pretty great opening segment, pretty epic opening segment. Halo, you feel the same way? Yeah, because I know, I know you hate that this this is awesome, Shane, but this deserved it because oh, you yeah. saw the generation, one generation, another generation, the other generation, like the three biggest icons in the sport, arguably, in the ring at the same time. And I believe that was the first... No, it happened before, but actually just them being themselves and not, yeah. not really... On this level? No. Yeah, and not, and not mm-hmm. just be, being themselves and not just in character. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Kind of patting each other in the back, kind of patting, you know, the industry where it's gone and where it is, and just giving homage to their time. Was yeah, kind of, kind of awesome to see. Yeah, it was the thirtieth one. It was the thirtieth anniversary of WrestleMania. Um, yeah, all three guys obviously warranted that attention and that praise from the crowd, and of course the adulation of each other. Um, that leads us to the opening match, which I mean, it has to be the best opening match in the history of WrestleMania, right? It's up there. I can't imagine what else had this much importance as the first match. Well, not importance, but I'll say Brett Owen at ten. That was the opening match? Mm-hmm. I still think i go with this because this was the biggest story yeah. going in. Yeah. And Triple kind H. of this, like, this kind of, again, you knew it was going to happen, but, like, this match kind of dictated what the rest of the show was going to yeah. be. Yeah, and, and you kind of had to guess what was going to happen. I mean, it, it, was, it was a great way to start off. I mean, even with the opening kind of um, generation with Hulk Hogan, yada, yada, you get into the match aspect of it. This is awesome. Yeah, uh, like as much as it can be argued that Triple H didn't do a whole lot to help Roman Reigns' case last year. He's but so much he could do. That, yeah. was, that wasn't Triple H's fault. That was creative. Well, and it was just a, an unfortunate situation. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, but Triple H did his job, literally and figuratively, <laughs> in this match for Daniel Bryan. Can, can you say that again for laugh? <laughs> Triple H did his job both literally and figuratively. And, and figuratively. Thank you. In this match, yes. Thank you. He did his job in in getting Bryan over that night, as over as he already is. But, like, his part in this story was really important. And then he also, you know, figuratively did the job. Now, you'd be the one to answer this. Was this the start of Triple H's over-theatrical entrances to WrestleMania? No, he was doing this years prior. Years prior? Yeah. 
This is my favorite one, though. Well, because yeah. we have some of the uh, originators, uh, women's wrestling, kind of, kind of apropos to where we're yeah. at right now, women's wrestling. Yeah, this is the in the first, entourage. The first time I ever got to see Sasha Banks, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> I didn't know it until they, until they sent to the all. Charlotte had an interview about I it. I couldn't tell the, the one was Bliss until like I, I read read it and really? kinda, I had to look hard for the blue tips and. Yeah, I remember seeing on that WWE 24 special who they were. Like I hadn't seen NXT yet at mm-hmm. the time. So I was like, okay, I guess the one's Flair's daughter. I don't know who these other two are. Um, and outside the choker, Steph was looking pretty fine herself. Yeah. <laughs> weird choker. Good! <laughs> I'm still trying to get Angel to wear an outfit. Really? <laughs> yeah. You need, you need anybody to help talk her into it? No. I, I, I just think, keep throwing hints. You don't think she needs a little push? Man, man just can get things done. He's, he's, he's a man <laughs> yeah. that takes charge. Yeah, he's a ladies' man. <laughs> All, all the girlfriends contact Pash. <laughs> what do you think, Pash? Uh, the vignette was great for this. I, th- I really think Triple H is like the perfect guy to be his opponent in this whole thing. Um, With that being said, the vignette, I mean, that just shows you what good planning and sticking to kind of, like you said, maybe maybe you say predictability, but sticking to this script kind of did for that because yeah. it was epic and it kind of made the match even more. Entertaining. Yeah, and it's the most simple booking in this booking one on one. Yeah, it really is. Um, now, Joey brought something up before we started recording. Like, would any of this happen if CM Punk didn't leave? No. And it's like they talked about like even Danny Ryan said that wasn't the match. He it wasn't. Have he pulled his face, Sheamus. Mm-hmm. And it made me think because you mentioned Roman Reigns. If Daniel Bryan doesn't win the title that night, spoiler alert, <laughs> and then get hurt and kind of, kind of. Get shuffled around too. Does Roman Reigns end up winning Royal Rumble, filling, get booed, and where he's at now? Does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. the, like to me, that's comparable to Triple H getting in trouble for the curtain call, not winning King of the Ring, and then Austin gets tapped to win King of the Ring, and Austin 316 is born, and WWF skyrockets at that point. It's almost a similar situation where they kind of lucked into it. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't plan this, but. Some extenuating circumstances caused us to change it, and it worked out for the best. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say, like, I can't imagine any opening match holding this much weight. Yeah, it was a, in it any was, WrestleMania. It, it was a really since. good match too. There was a lot riding on there. There's a couple spots that look. I, I don't know how Daniel Ryan walked away from. It. There's one on the edge <laughs> of the apron where. Triple H had him in like a like an arm bar and he dropped him on the edge yeah. of the, the back of his mm-hmm. arm and mm-hmm. I was like I looked at that I was like ow yeah <laughs> oh um, he was on the, pe- the pedigree on the announce table and he threw him on the table he threw his arm on the table yeah. that was awesome yeah I like the whole psychology of it because everything Daniel Bryan tried to do Triple H had an answer for mm-hmm. like his his psychology was great taking out Bryan's shoulder the entire match working mm-hmm. and like Bryan doing the suicide dive and Triple H hit him before he even hit like, he yeah. legit had an answer for everything Daniel Bryan did and it was perfect to the story because Daniel Bryan just can't seem to get one up on Triple H yeah. and then even the way he won it was so abrupt he hit the running knee out of nowhere and like you said working in, working in um, a particular injury which we see a lot of times but a lot of times a wrestler just does one move over and over again to try and work that injury. Triple H did at least 10 to 12 different different ways to work that shoulder. Mm-hmm. Or depending on the guy who has the injury, sometimes he forgets yeah. that he's supposed to be selling it. Or what arm it is. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they forget which arm it is. Mm-hmm. And I, compl- we compl- I complain about kicking out a finisher, but when Brian kicked out of the pedigree, it felt right. 
<laughs> like book, like I said, book a one on one. Like it felt right. Like you want him to kick out. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, we, we, sometimes when sometimes when somebody lands a finisher, he's like, okay, I want this match to be over. But he had that pedigree. I was like, okay, I'm fine with this because it fits the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they they did everything they could to make it seem like the odds could not have been stacked any more against this guy. And of course, he was like the hero of WWE, like a hero of the level they you haven't really seen in a while, as much as like they make John Cena the hero, he's half loved and half hated. Yeah. And Daniel Bryan was one hundred percent universally loved. And yeah, him kicking out of that finisher, like that is like that is what happens in that story. That's how that story goes. watching this match I can't help but think this is where you see the tutelage of uh, Shawn Michaels here. This is where you see Daniel Bryan learning from from Shawn Michaels. I say a lot of Shawn Michaels esque kind of just getting beat down and kicking out, mm-hmm. um, keeping fighting in, and it was just it was awesome to watch. Yeah. Now, like you said, Alo, about the psychology, like they did a great job in this. Like even though he obviously is at a huge disadvantage in the main event, facing Batista and Orton, like even winning this match. Like, he's still going to have such an uphill battle. Like, and then plus they keyed on the shoulder even more mm-hmm. after the match. Yeah, one of, one of the things I was thinking during, well, two things I was thinking during this match. One, like, this honestly would have been a good main event. Yeah. If that was the main event. Like, it holds up as the main event. Mm-hmm. And two, there were points when I was wishing I could have heard Corey Graves call it. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have heard him talking about Triple H during this match. <laughs> I thought that would have been awesome. I don't it's the first time I've thought that about an old show. Uh, like I wish I heard Graves commentary yeah, it would on have been this match. Far more entertaining. Yeah, I mean we as we said, Daniel Bryan wins with the running knee, gets the pin one, two, three in the middle of the ring. I remember like being like, wow, like Triple H could not have put him over any more than he did in this match. Um, and set the table for the whole night. He did a lot of putting over that year. <laughs> well, yeah, the next month, there was a lot of putting over of The Shield. And the month after that. <laughs> Who they put over the month after that? The Shield, but they, it was oh, a clean sweep. It was, it was two months in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Triple H just massacres him after the match. So it's like, yeah, Daniel, you won, but you still lost. You won, but did you really? Yeah. And how great is Stephanie ringside? Perfect. Just like to get under your skin the Perfect. entire time. Come on, baby. Get him, baby. Her, her piercing voice. <laughs> a lot better than Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Way better. Way more animated. Yeah, way more That's our president. Way more attractive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, followed that up with a less epic match. <laughs> the New Age Outlaws with Kane against The Shield. And it's in- a less epic match, but like looking back at the time, I was a huge New Age Outlaws fan. It was kind of nostalgic to have them back. Like when this WrestleMania first came out, I was kind of a nostalgic act for them. Yeah, there, there's actually and Shield was going of, that direction. There's kind of a point I want to make about this, but I'll save it for a little bit when it, I could tie it in a little better. Uh, but there was definitely a theme to this night. Um, the Shield mops the floor with them in three minutes. <laughs> One observation: I feel like Roman has improved a lot since that night. Yeah. Like, watching him, it's like, wow, like, he's not even the same guy in the ring anymore. Yeah. But the thing was, he was the most over guy in the shield at this time. And, and it was kind of weird seeing him in the ring not getting showered with booze. Yeah, no. It's like, yeah. he's the most over guy in the shield. I was waiting for it, but then I was like, oh, wait, it's probably not coming because it hasn't happened mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, now, also, when they won, JBL said, well, there goes the Attitude Era, <laughs> um, which was funny. But did they, did the shield start with Evolution the very next night? Yeah, cause, yeah, cause um Batista Triple well Triple H he recruited Batista and Orton to come out come get Daniel Bryan. 
No, Triple H put himself in a title match with Daniel Bryan, and Batista and Orton came out with him, Don't and then the sh- and then the Shield, mm-hmm. <laughs> then the Shield protected Daniel Bryan. So that was a f- their official face turn, and that's what led to the, um, the Shield versus Evolution. Okay, um, it was kind yeah. of a quick match, kind of more just building up the Shield and nostalgia run for New Age Outlaws. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we're seeing the trend with Daniel Bryan and the Shield, kind of the new coming in and eliminating the old. Yeah, it was good to see like old fifty-year-old guys <laughs> who can go lose easily. Yeah, to young up-and-coming <laughs> talent, unlike what we've been seeing currently. Well, the Outlaws did beat Cody and Goldust for the tag titles of the Rumble. But they drop, but they put the Usos over. Mm-hmm. Uso? Yeah, that's fine. In a match like this, it's like if you went by the booking of Bill on the current <laughs> WWE product, New Age Outlaws and Kane would have won this thing Handling. in less than five minutes. So they they booked this twenty two right seconds. Way. Yeah, they booked this the right way. It was a dominant victory. I think they even said it was like a hundred years of New Age Outlaws being power bombed, whatever the <laughs> heck it was. Oh yeah, because they did the double power bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a backstage promo with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Sergeant Slaughter, and Ricky Steamboat playing with action figures. <laughs> uh, DiBiase buys them, which I thought was a great I like, twist I like on that. it. And then, of course, we get Ron Simmons coming in doing his patented damn, <laughs> as I guess he was just very upset that DiBiase bought the toys. Yeah, hey, everybody has he, a price. He wanted to play. I mean, the mm-hmm. Million Dollar Man's correct in that, in that assumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It was the first year of it, right? Mm-hmm. And they made a huge deal about Big Show. Big Show got his own entrance. And for whatever reason, Sheamus got his own entrance mm-hmm. on this thing. Um, it was, it's funny to see Big E, Xavier, and Kofi not together. Yeah. Like, as just three <laughs> separate individual guys. Seems a little weird. <clears throat> yeah, like I don't, I don't see them as individuals really anymore. Like they're a collective now. It's it's just funny to see. Um, I like that Cody eliminated Goldust, um, and I liked. It's a shame that they they couldn't really run with Cesaro after he won it. They tried because, I mean, he was really impressive. In this match, for a match with so many guys and so much going on, he kind of stood out. Yeah, he really did yeah. stand out. Like it's not just like oh, a bunch of smarks just love Cesaro. It's like no, he well, he was over. Yeah, he stood out, but he was over too. <clears throat> yeah, he, he was over, were, but I think he was more over later on. Uh, because uh, you know the WrestleMania crowd, and the night after WrestleMania, that's the smart crowd. And the next night, he became a official Heyman guy. Yeah, I think that was the problem. It, not not that it threw any fault of Heyman. But I think, like, Heyman was still talking about Brock. Every time he came out, he was talking about Brock. And it's like, you, you, you're trying to run with Cesaro, but you're putting him behind somebody else yeah, who's not even there. not going to really do it uh, so that Yeah, they didn't do him any favors with that. Um, what did you think of the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, Halo? It was a battle royal. <laughs> it was all over the place, but um, I did like the the finish. How Cesaro picked up the Big Show, and it was that because it was like everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And but, you know, Cesaro was so called in for a push, but the push didn't end up going anywhere because I, I don't know if he didn't connect with the crowd. Like, the crowd loved him, so I'm not sure if he didn't connect with the crowd or just the whole. I don't think the whole him and Heyman worked. I didn't really like them together. But like you said, he was still talking about Brock the entire time, but it, it didn't really hit for me. And after that, he didn't really go any go anywhere. I know, I know the next month he's in a triple threat elimination match with RVD. And um, Jack Swagger, I think he won that match. And after that, mm-hmm. I, I think I forgot what he did after that, but it didn't really 
lead to anything for him. It was just a dead end. One, one of his one of his second dead ends. Yeah, I feel like having him feud with Jack Swagger, I get the logic behind it because he was leaving the tag team. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that kind of held him back too because like nobody could have cared less about Jack Swagger. Uh, so I feel like we that didn't people. do him any favors. Yeah. That's one of that's one of my pet peeves with the quote unquote WWE universe. Is you don't like a guy, a guy's not over, but you all chant the we the people thing when he puts his hand over his chest and then it goes, Ah, they like they like this guy. Mm-hmm. Look, like, at that, no, look at that no. reaction. Yeah, it's like when people would chant feed me more when <laughs> Ryback would come out. That was it's fun like, for a little bit, I can't lie. I didn't <laughs> too. I mean, just just for, for for a hot minute. <laughs> Yeah, I the the end spot of this was impressive that he actually body slammed him over the top rope. It was w- definitely weird to hear the real American music come on. When yeah, he won. Yeah, because I was watching um, the first NXT Takeover with him, Sam, he mm-hmm. fought Sami Zayn. And he won. Like, what, what was his music back then? It's like, oh, he's got he's a real American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now we kind of get into the heart of the show. Oh, one second. Yeah. Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With that whole over the top, over mm-hmm. the turnbuckle, let his feet on the steps, incredible. It was incredible. He really like he, <laughs> as good as that is, it's unfortunate that he almost got relegated to like being a battle royal slash royal rumble prop. Yeah, like you, how can we'll he? Just, how can he avoid getting yeah, eliminated? We'll, we'll this just time. throw you out there to do something crazy to avoid elimination, but we won't really do much else with you. But that stuff is incredible. Like none of none of that gets old. Like when I when I saw that, I was like, wow, like. The athleticism, the coordination, the timing to be able to do that and land perfectly on those steps um, is great. Especially when people are expecting you to do something like that. Mm-hmm. To be able to deliver is impressive. And he usually always does deliver. What was it in the Rumble this year? Did he land on was the he? New Day or something? Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was something like that when they, they kind of... Threw him back up. Or like, did he get caught by like? They might have. They might have caught him. They both I can't caught remember. Him. They exactly. both caught him. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, him running around the barricade and jumping to the steps to get it. Like, he's done a lot of awesome The handstand, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, That's nice. Yeah, it was. So this this is one of the things that really got me interested again was Bray Wyatt. I thought he was so different. I felt like this guy could be, like, the villain on True Detective. Like, he could have been what was at the end of that tunnel, like Bray Wyatt and his cult. That weird guy? Yeah, like, he would have been better than that guy. Oh, um, yeah. He would have fit the character a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, I, I, I liked his look. I loved the way he talked. I loved that he had these two monsters. Man crush. <laughs> I loved that he had these two monsters tagging along with him that would do anything he said. Um, and, of course, like, what a great foil for John Cena. Like, John Cena, Mr. Hustle, Loyalty, Respect... Never give up, like all the kids love him. And I have Bray Wyatt coming along who's trying to take his followers for himself, who's trying to show everyone. And he was trying to corrupt John Cena at this yeah, time. Yeah, he was too. trying he was to turn trying him to, into a monster. Make him what he wasn't. Yeah, like I want I want you to show your real face, basically. I loved this story. I thought Cena was a perfect guy for it. I loved the way Cena sold, like, that he was afraid of Bray Wyatt. That like this guy makes me really uncomfortable. Um, Alo, I know you are not the biggest Bray Wyatt guy, but what did you think of him at this time and in this particular match? I wrote this down just for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, at this point, because Bray Wyatt was still fairly new, he wasn't even 
a year into the company, I believe. This is why I like Bray Wyatt because I thought he was like real, really interesting and different. And I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of like this guy. And he he was always back in the cabin, and he had Harper and Roll with him all the time. And he he was a real intriguing character. Like they said, they pushed him quickly. Like he fought Kane. We, we're not gonna talk about that match. But then they put him with Punk and um, Brian and the Brian stuff kind of got an Inferno match, right at SummerSlam. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's his first match. Well, Ring of Fire, but Ring of Fire yeah, match. Okay. Yeah, basically deemed it as, but. They put him with Punk and Brian, and he went did the Brian, the Brian stuff, and he, Brian had joined the Wyatt family. I'm like, okay, this is like this is different. But after this match, he he beat Cena at Extreme Rules, and then they at Payback Cena got the best of him. But then after that, Bray Wyatt was basically nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And the the reason I don't I I fell off about Bray Wyatt is because one, they. It's not all his fault because I always say on Raw when you're on Raw because when Raw is the main show, you go out for three in a three-hour show. You nobody's on SCC going out there for a 25-minute promo. Mm-hmm. And Bray Wyatt, he just uses big words and just repeats himself over and over again. And we was like, okay, what if the hell was that? If they threw him out there for four to six minutes, yeah, on SmackDown, he'd be great. Yeah, let's say he does it on SmackDown now. That's why I haven't said anything because mm-hmm. I, I, I'll clearly say it. But yeah. SmackDown is four to six minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. He's straight to the point. He gets his point across clearly. And as a heel, he never backed up, backed up anything. And then they just you know, stole him as this guy. It's like, okay, you face Cena after that. What are you going to do? He do, he does nothing. And then okay, you're going to face the Undertaker at WrestleMania. You're going to lose to the Undertaker. And do nothing. You can face Roman. You're gonna lose a Roman three months later, and then you're gonna do nothing. And that was the thing. It was always stop and go with this well, guy. That's the thing. I think this is the first time they've really, where we're at now, stuck to a Bray Wyatt storyline. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like Bray Wyatt, unless he's putting over these main event guys, like he doesn't have story. And it's like, okay, why do I care? And when he, and from an in-ring perspective, when he just has matches that you don't care about, it's, you're judging it off in-ring. Like for example, I didn't like this match from an in-ring perspective, but the storytelling in this match was perfect. That the crowd was, I, I don't, I don't want to say the crowd was dead. I think the crowd was just waiting for something to happen, mm-hmm. because they were just like waiting for Cena to snap. There's a point in the match where, I think, um, yeah. Her, Wire brings a steel chair in, a chair in, yeah. And he and he gets he knocks it on the floor. And says John hit me because mm-hmm. he wants Cena to snap. And it, it was perfect that he had Harper and Rowan on the outside with him too because at one point, actually throughout the whole match, Cena is like looking at the corner of his eye at Harper yeah. and Rowan. And at one point, he could actually take advantage of Bray Wyatt, but instead he goes over the top rope and does a cross body and takes out both Harper, yeah. um, Harper and Rowan. But I I, I, sorry, I didn't care from this match from an in ring perspective, but the storytelling this match was was great. Um, yeah, I mean, the match starts with Bray getting on his knees, yeah. saying, finish me. Like, he was basically corrupting John Cena was more important to him than winning the match. Yeah, he wanted to soil the, the clean name John Cena. Um, and there's a lot about Bray Wyatt, especially at this time. And I know I bring up Batman a lot in talking <laughs> about wrestling, but a lot of Bray Wyatt at this time, I saw, like, what could be inspiration from Heath Ledger's Joker. Batman versus Joker. Yeah, like, so, like, him taking a beating or getting hit and, like, laying on the ground laughing, like, that reminds me of the interrogation scene with with Batman when he's just pummeling him and he, like, loves it. That, like, you're, I'm getting under your skin this much you're losing control of yourself. And then he says at one point to him, like, you have all this power and there's nothing you can do with You have nothing, nothing you can do yeah. to me, basically. And, like, that's kind of how Bray was during this time. Um, but then at the same time, there's the scene when the Joker's expecting two boats to explode because he basically put the trigger in there. One boat had to blow up the other or theirs was going to get blown up. And he's just waiting for it to happen. Like, I know it's going to happen, and it doesn't. And it's like, oh, despite all of his planning, despite that he's basically won every battle up to this point, 
the battle he's trying to win, he fails at, which is ultimately what happened to Bray Wyatt. Um, there, there definitely were points I thought the crowd was into this, and the crowd definitely was into Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. on yeah, this night. Yeah, because they were waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why I said I don't want to say they were dead. I think they were just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Um, like, the way Cena sold the spider walk, mm-hmm. I thought was awesome. Creeped him out. Mm-hmm. Um, led the crowd in. the whole. He's got the whole world in his hands. I thought was great. Like you said, the spot with the chair was a great spot in the match. Gave it to Cena, said, you know, you know you want to do it. Yeah, even the finish I thought Ended. was good. <laughs> Counting, countering the sister Abigail into the AA, I thought was like a, a cool finish, and that was like a legitimate. I think some people spend so much time hating Cena for winning these matches that they don't appreciate like that was a good story. Like John Cena overcoming the Wyatt family that night was like a pretty good story. It was like a cool ending to that story, and obviously Bray turned the tides over the next month. But I I remember vividly Raw the next night. It was a six-man tag, the Wyatts against, I believe, Cena and the Usos. And the crowd was, like, on fire for that match. And I, I remember Harper and Rowan both looked incredible in that match. I know, I'm pretty sure that – I can't remember if the Wyatts won or not. I think they did. Um, but I was like, wow, these guys are about to, like, get shot out of a cannon. And, of course, they, they didn't. <laughs> it fizzled out the, 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 the wick. That took a trump. Yeah, it did take a trump. <laughs> Major trump. Um, All in all, I thought it was a good match. I mean, going in, if you watch, follow the storyline, the goal wasn't to beat John Cena. The goal was to corrupt John Cena, like yeah. you said. Mm-hmm. He wanted to turn John Cena. So he didn't really care about losing. And then contradictory, what do you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Other than what we said, I mean, the shovel kind of did carry the match, but he didn't bury... Bray Wyatt, he you know he kind of kind of made it entertaining, and I, I enjoyed watching it from start to finish. Yeah, regardless of who won. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, even watching back, it was like, yeah, I didn't know a whole lot about this going in. I knew enough about Bray to know what he was all about, but I, but I did I did enjoy this match watching it with a little more context. Yeah, another thing about mm-hmm. Cena, so-called burials uh-huh. or whatever. <laughs> In retrospect, you can kind of... I'll talk about this a little bit later, too. In retrospect, the guys that he didn't put over in, in the match... Well, Bray Wyatt got a win, but you already know that when Cena loses the match, it's going to be by pinfall. Yeah. It's always going to be the stipulation mm-hmm. match. But a lot of those guys, do you really think they would actually... you would actually think they would actually amount to anything? Like We might have liked them, but do you think they could actually bend in that higher level? No. Because, like, I know... Kevin Owens, when Cena beat Owens, we were like, okay, what's Kevin Owens going to do now? And after he lost to Owens, I mean, Cena, he fought Cesaro, but then Kevin Owens is so good as a character and as an individual, he actually picked himself up and won the Intercontinental title. And he actually had something to do. A lot of these guys, it's like, okay, you're in the main spotlight, but after that, that's it, and you do nothing. Even the little stuff you're giving, you're, you're, you've done nothing. Like Wade Barrett, like we all like Wade Barrett. I think Wade Barrett could have been a world champion, but I'll get to this later too. But at this at this point, what does being a world champion mean? You, you'll still be in the opening match mm-hmm. or the mid card match, yeah. unless you're John Cena. You're not in the main in the main event, right? And that's like that's actually one of the things I kind of complained about last week is that they like the booking of Goldberg. That, in a nutshell, is like why there is Cena and everybody else. Because I, you can't tell me none of these guys were capable of reaching these heights. Like, John Cena was the only one who could have gotten there. 
He's just the only one who has, I think, been allowed to get there and stay there. They they know what they have in him. They're comfortable with him in that spot, and they're not willing to really try anyone else. And then they pick Roman Reigns, and I think he's got the ability to get there, but they're not doing what they need to do to get him there. There are other guys that I think could be that. That's the uh, Vince McMahon cocky, I know better than you do kind of. kind of. He needs a reset, and we've said that multiple times over the past, I don't know, about two years now. Uh, yeah, because... Yeah, <laughs> but, hey. Yeah, because like I said, I, I said I'm become more of a Bray Wyatt fan, because like I said, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, not, when I, I'm not like my best friend. I'm not going to just legit hate somebody. Mm-hmm. I could actually, you could actually pick me up, you know? Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> Bray Wyatt's becoming more of a stronger character, so I'm actually getting more invested into Bray Wyatt. And in, in retrospect, also, this is three years ago, yeah. three, four years ago now. So it took him that long to actually get to a prominent level because people love Bray Wyatt. And they've never stuck with him huh? as far as story. Though. Yeah, they never, they, just, they never stuck they with him. They start something and then, ah. Yeah, it's like, okay, you're doing it. Okay, go, cool. okay, you're going to face Thundertaker. Then you're going to face Ryback. And it's like, you don't see him for another month. Yeah, we're going to give you a story where your whole story is anyone but you, Roman. Yeah. And you're just going to keep losing to Roman. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't stop, you don't slow him down at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, when, when the fans love you, they like legit love you. It's like you, I think Bray Wyatt's one of those characters to them that he can't do really anything wrong. They're gonna still love him, but three, four years later, he's finally got to a prominent spot. Yeah, even at his worst, on his entrance, everybody's cell phone light was on. Mm-hmm. Like he still gets Firefly. Yeah, he still gets support. Uh, it's just a matter of them actually doing something with him, which they they seem to be now. We had the Hall of Fame segment. Uh, pretty good class. We had Jake the Snake Roberts, Lita, oh yes, mm. Paul Bear, uh, Mr. T, who gave one of the great Hall of Fame speeches I can ever <laughs> remember in my history. Uh, Carlos Colon, father of the Shining Stars, correct? Um, just pre- just on Primo and Carlito. Oh, okay. Um, Razor Ramon and the Ultimate Warrior, who unfortunately met his demise literally like. 48 hours after, after that. Um, it's just kind of cool to see him come back and kind of bury some demons, but then yeah, it was I, guess, a shame. I guess life caught up to him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, good class. Uh, obviously a huge pop for Warrior. Uh, always cool to see Razor. Razor, another great speech. Um, Daniel Bryan ends up getting checked out backstage. I guess they're still working on the shoulder. I don't know. I guess they weren't talking about whether he's going to be able to compete or not. I guess it was more like how how much was he going to be able to compete. Uh, we got a vignette about the streak. He was at 21-0, The Undertaker. Um, loved that vignette. It was perfect. Like them building up the streak and how iconic he was. And then Heyman's Talking segment, over it the whole time. Yeah, it was great. <coughs> um, I do feel like Brock really was the perfect guy to break it. Um I just think that they they threw away what they did by doing it. Very easily. Um, they didn't do the right thing with Brock after. Well, they did for a little while. Um, Not even right after, I don't think. I mean. Well, I think him being like dominant, him killing John Cena, which actually got the crowd even more supportive of him, and then him just being this dominant force. But then instead of them using that to put over some newer, younger guy, they threw it away by putting over a guy who hadn't been relevant for 15 years, 
who's 50 years old and has a white goatee <laughs> and isn't going to be there, hopefully, starting April 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it then. I still didn't like it now. I mean, looking back at it, the match wasn't as You don't big. like him breaking the streak? I, not Lesnar. I mean, I didn't expect him to. Um, looking back at it, the match wasn't as bad as I remember. Maybe I just had a bitter taste in my mouth because they picked Lesnar, who was a, essentially a part-timer. Um, I thought this streak should have ended with someone who could have got a major push and been, like, maybe catapulted into a John Cena kind of kind of level in this WWE and they didn't, and then they use it Lesnar, and then they kind of, kind of I think just misuse Lesnar after that, because it was an epic moment. It was something you'll remember, a wrestling fan for probably the rest of your life. Especially, yeah, I didn't think the match especially the picture good. the the one the one uh, the one fellow with his eyes wide open. Yeah, my cousin. Your cousin. Yeah, your cousin. <laughs> I, was, I, I forgot his name. I didn't yeah. want to embarrass. I forgot his name too. <laughs> he's long, a, long he's distance. He's not a close cousin. No, long <laughs> distance. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, the match wasn't very good, but the moment itself, I mean, that's got to be one of the most memorable moments in WrestleMania history. Like, I can't... And I remember thinking, like, okay, I'm at this time, I guess I'm 34 years old, and I'm thinking, I never thought I would see a bunch of adults watching wrestling, like, especially the smart fans who are all at WrestleMania, would be watching wrestling and be legitimately shocked, shocked. and surprised by something. And... Kudos to them. Like, they yeah. did it. All those people were stunned. People looked sad. People looked disgusted. People were in Confused. complete shock. Yeah, it, it was really a surreal moment. And I remember sitting there being like, wow. Like, I'm I'm more surprised by the reaction to this yeah. than anything else. I mean, Lesnar literally almost ended Undertaker's career to do it, but he did it. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, in a class act to the fan base, there was, you know, kind of... Um, Kind of a cheer for Undertaker mm-hmm. as he as he slowly climbed out of the ring. Yeah, congratulating him for that that epic run, which mm-hmm. I don't think will ever be emulated or copied. Yeah, because no. the Undertaker he deserved all that ovation, even though for not just for the street, but just for doing that match. Because you know he had a concussion, and for him to actually continue that match. Because it's not like he's facing a smaller guy. Brock is no, nah, yeah, he's the bigger guy of the two, and. Just being able to con- being able to continue the match, I thought it was fantastic. It wasn't a great match, but I still find I find this harder to watch now because even before, I was like, because wow. you know, yeah, facts, you know, yeah. But even then, I was like, wow, he's like really destroying the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And this is and this is like the only time you could actually believe the Undertaker's gonna beat Brock because at this point, Taker never beat Brock. So he was like, okay, Taker's gonna get his first win over Brock here. Even yeah. his entrance was perfect with the tombstone mm-hmm. with all the guys he beat. Yeah, it was great. And they lit on fire when, he, when yeah, the gong really finally cool. hit. That was cool. I always pop when Justin Roberts says Undertaker. <laughs> I mean, There's a couple of finisher kickouts, which is always fun. Um, he had hit three F5s to beat the Undertaker, which mm-hmm. is kind of great for the Undertaker because it kind of makes him look like mm-hmm. that dominating force. Yeah, yeah he, just the fact that he was able to continue the match, I just I just mm-hmm. thought that was great. And um, what was the Mohawk? In the goatee. Horrible yeah. look. His goatee wasn't white. No, it wasn't. Better than Bill. Mm-hmm. Better, way better than Bill's goatee. Way better than Bill. But that mohawk, what was that? I, an awful look. Yeah, but even the finish, like when they hit when he hit when the ref counted three, mm-hmm. and they didn't play any music for the longest time. Yeah. I thought it was perfect. They allowed people to sit there saying, what yeah, the, the hell just yeah, happened? They did, he, did, it, did, did it really just happen? Yeah. yeah. Heyman, with his hands on his head. Heyman like, was perfect the entire match. Because I even, um, Brock at one point, Taker kept kicking out. Brock was like, what, Brock even said, what do I do? Yeah. And Heyman was like, get him, get don't him. Let this get, don't let him take this <laughs> yeah. away from you. Don't. Uh, yeah, he was awesome ringside. Yeah, then he ran, ran to the ring. He's like, get it. 
But one of my, yeah, one of my favorite things about Heyman is that now I actually I was watching the special features of like the original UK version of The Office, and I think I was watching like commentary over one episode, and they were commenting on one of the actors in the background who was like was it a prominent had a prominent role, but he wasn't really involved in the scene. He was just in the background. And they were pointing out, like, what he was doing. Like, he's always acting in every scene. Like, it's really easy to think, oh, I'm not in the scene. I don't really have to do anything. It's like, he's always acting. That's Heyman. <laughs> Heyman is always in character, always acting when he's out there. Whether the camera's on him or not, he's always doing something. So, and that's why I, I say the same thing about Xavier Woods. Like, when he's on at ringside, he's always doing something entertaining. It's just a matter of whether it's on camera at the time or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think this should have been The Undertaker's last match, especially based on when he was walking out, JBL said, this is the end of an era. Mm-hmm. And if you look back on it, you have Daniel Bryan beating Triple H. You have The Shield destroying you know three prominent stars from the Attitude Era, and JBL saying, like, well, there goes the Attitude Era. It felt to me like this show, and this is why what I mentioned earlier about there being a theme, was like they were turning the page, like from the past to the future. And somewhere along the way, they decided they didn't want to move into the future anymore. They <laughs> want to try to hold on to what, what they have for longer. I don't know where they changed. I don't know why they changed. But I think they're doing themselves a disservice by living so much in the past. Well, I think a lot of it was just an uh, elaborate plan to put Goldberg back in the title picture. Yeah. <laughs> Which, three years before. It all started here. here. We four are. years prior. Here we are. Yeah, I, I do think they've done themselves a disservice because there probably are some guys they could have elevated a little more. But I, I think they're too afraid of losing ratings where it's like sometimes you have to lose a few battles on the way to winning a war, and they're not winning to lose those battles. Well, this exact reason is, is the reason, as we t- touched upon in the beginning, is why you lose people like CM Punk, because he doesn't feel like getting pushed in the background for one and Dunners is even though how how, how much how many dues they paid isn't the way to go. Right. Um, anything anybody else has to say about this match before we move on to the classic that followed it? <laughs> I agree. I don't agree with Joey. He said they they did Brock a disservice after this because this was when I was actually like this match got me interested in Brock Lesnar. I was like, okay. And then the Cena thing, like, oh wow. And then we didn't see him to the Royal Rumble, and I, that was probably one of the best matches I've seen live. Mm-hmm. That triple threat match with Rollins and it's probably my number Cena. two match. Yeah, between Sasha and Bailey. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. This was that match was incredible. And then they made, like, they had him look strong too because he didn't get pinned with the title. And then. He went back to the Undertaker later that year, and that was whatever, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then now he's facing Bill. <laughs> facing Bill again. Again. After losing to him twice and Tree. getting tossed out. Two times. Yeah, getting tossed out of the Rumble by him like he was Doink the Clown. <laughs> uh, this was followed by the Vicky Guerrero Invitational. <laughs> the, they said the first ever Divas title defense at WrestleMania, and I believe that means it was the only one because the next year the title wasn't defended. I'm pretty sure Nikki was the champion and she was in like a tag match. Mm-hmm. So the only time the Divas title has ever been defended at WrestleMania, this thing was a mess. <laughs> the women's division is a whole different world now than it was then. It's a different beast, yeah. I mean, we've, we've alluded to that a couple times, but um, watching this, you kind of see what we meant. I felt so bad for him because you know after an amazing match, you need the cool-down match. Mm-hmm. And they made these women go out there and be the cool down match. Yeah. 
I felt so bad for well, them. Well, they really did the job of cooling <laughs> yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like still no noise from yeah. the from the match prior, except mm-hmm. for that AJ finisher. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but there was like no noise. Like, um, Eric's Cougar Vicky Guerrero was here. <laughs> yeah. By the way, with a, with a great little speech at the beginning, the mm-hmm. laugh was awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I always find it funny now. Tamina is always wearing somebody else's shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's always wearing the her, the shirt she's lacking. Yeah. She's lacking it over. And um, I like AJ making Naomi tap. I thought that was a nice touch. It I like the camera angle as well. <laughs> <laughs> the, ni- the next night, the next night. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. The, not pulling any punches. <laughs> yeah, Rosa Mendez. What was she wearing and looking like? They uh, said the uh, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, Monroe look. That really was. Uh, it was a train wreck. It was. It, it really was. I felt secondhand embarrassed. <laughs> I did too. For them watching this. Come like, on. Oh my god. Kind of appreciate. Makes you appreciate where we're at a lot more. Yeah, they came a long way. In a very short time. Yeah. And the next night we got Paige. Mm-hmm. Yeah, won the title next yeah. night. And then AJ never showed up again, right? She oh, no, back. she did. Never yeah. mind. She had a few matches sure, with Paige. Yeah. Um, she and actually won the title back at one point. Yeah, and twice, actually. Two more times over Paige. And then, who knows? I don't think Paige, Paige might not be the only woman to hold the NXT and women's title simultaneously. Diva's title simultaneously. Who knows? Um... Who, she is, no. she is, but she may not, because you know WWE hates her now. Yeah, they do. So they got to get somebody else to <laughs> yep. do it. See, they, they just needed somebody to notice it. Yeah. For them to now do something about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll bring back the Divas title just so somebody <laughs> can hold it. Uh, we got a backstage segment with Mean Gene and Hogan, Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff show up complaining that 30 years later. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff is still getting harassed about being the one who lost the match at WrestleMania <laughs> 1. Mr. T shows up. They bury the hatchet after Pat Patterson points out it's been 30 years. Roddy Piper was not too happy about burying the hatchet with Hogan and Mr. T. Uh, classic nostalgia moment for WrestleMania. Very, very. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw some Hall of Famers ringside. We had Bruno San Martino. Harley Race, Bob Backlund, Dusty Rhodes, and Brett. Was he doing the click sign? I did. He he was doing the click sign. I didn't see it too sweet. I I felt like why is Brett Hart of all people doing? Isn't he the the total anti click guy? Maybe it made nice with uh, Razor or something. Bex, I have no idea. They probably shared a couple cocktails. I was surprised to see that though. Uh, yeah. I was like, what? I was, yeah. Did I see that correctly? Well, um, well he's a click with a C. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Main event came up next. Triple threat for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Defending champion Randy Orton defending against Batista and the aforementioned Daniel Bryan. Um, it was hurt. Yeah. First thing, how do you guys feel about the two belts? Like, how did you feel about them walking around the two belts at the time? It's hard because it depends how you carry it. That was always my thing. Like when Jericho was the undisputed champion, I didn't really care for it. Even because I don't know, it's just kind of hard. It, it fit Orton mm-hmm. for for the way it, for how he carries himself. It fit Orton. Jericho was the more cocky guy. Sometimes it bothered me, but sometimes they look real funny. You having one belt on and then one, yeah. one on his shoulder. So it, I think it depends on the guy. Yeah, Randy always had both over his shoulder. Right? Yeah. How did you feel about the two belts as opposed um, to one it, championship? It didn't, it didn't bother me too much because it kind of felt like it was unified even though they were carrying two belts. I mean, it was an unnecessary task, but it didn't bother me too much at all. 
I kind of liked it. Although I really liked it also when they unveiled the the network logo belt to Brock Lesnar after SummerSlam and did away with the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Um, so this match was actually, I believe, two or three minutes shorter than their the first match with Triple H. Um, it didn't feel like it though. No, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on, yeah. Yeah, a lot. They packed a lot. It was a solid match, and it was even better that they they unfolded the story the way they did, and they kept Daniel Bryan the underdog, and they had Batista and Orton kind of teaming up on him, and they kind of stacked the deck even more against Daniel Bryan, which made you feel even more like this isn't going to be his night. Yeah. Yeah, they did everything they could to make you think there was no way he could win. Yeah. There was a thing. It was a... Well, first of all, I found it strange that they're performing Orton's music five years later. Yeah. <laughs> I found that, I found that <laughs> funny. But um, Dan Brown was like, well, we know he's that underdog character, but he legit played it perfect to a T because every time they would get rid of him, he would always pop out of nowhere mm-hmm. to get back into the match. Literally just pop out of nowhere. Yeah, there was like the, the missile drop kick yeah. at one point. Um, yeah, he, he really did play his role to perfection yeah. in this thing. And I like that the announce crew, as much as we give them – you know, give them a hard time for not calling the action or whatever. They really were telling the story between Orton and Batista, too, like, from their perspective of, like, these two guys are pissed off because they were promised a one-on-one match, and now they're stuck in a triple threat. And every once in a while, when Daniel Bryan be out of the picture, they go back one of them to... yeah, one of them would say, okay, this is the original match. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the two that thought they were going to face off. Like, this is what the real match is. And Daniel Bryan's almost like an afterthought. Um... Triple H and Steph getting involved, I thought was great. And th- th- actually, it's funny. As soon as they walked down, I remember thinking, like, I'm trying to like pull my own thoughts and feelings out of it and think, is this like overkill for them to get themselves involved in the main event? Perfect. And for me, it's like, no, it's not because this, like, this was the story. It was him overcoming them. Every odd, every, every time so, they tried to bury him. Yeah, more so than Batista and Orton. The story was him overcoming the authority. Everything. Like they wanted to do everything they could to keep him from being their champion, and he was doing everything he could to prove to them that he could be the champion. So I thought it was perfect. You bring it up a lot, like they got their comeuppance, yeah, the even sludgy. before the finish in this match. Mm-hmm. Was the, the sledgehammer? The, yeah. the sledgehammer spot was perfect. Wasn't the suicide dive mm-hmm. onto them was great, and yeah, the sledgehammer spot. I mean, was even awesome. before that, the spot with um, it was a Batista bomb into an RKO off yeah. the steel steps mm-hmm. through Randy the table, landed on the monitor. Yeah. Oh yeah, and his back was all cut up, <laughs> yeah. and Daniel Bryan was paralyzed. They had come out with a stretcher mm-hmm. board and kind of wheel him out and. He Barely able to stand, he went back into the match and immediately got knocked down again. Yeah, he got brought off on the stretcher, comes back in. Um, he wins with the S-lock on Batista. Um, I mean, like, my God, what a great moment. I, that's got to be one of the top five biggest, like, celebratory moments <laughs> in WrestleMania history. Like, for that show to end with him winning, uh, and it... The cool thing about it was um, it felt like it was a great moment for him and like and for us just as much. And he did a good job of like saying that, like, like I didn't do this by myself. Like, you guys are a part of this, too. And that was the night when it felt like we all beat the authority that night, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, yeah. it felt like every one of us got a win over the authority that night. Yeah, just like how Rock mentioned in their opening, Dan Bryan is the Stone Cold mm-hmm. defined authority. Yeah, just not... Not in the way Stone Cold did. Yeah. A little more... Um, Positive way. Yeah. Yeah, a little more... Uh, a little more power... Po- the pop. A little, 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 less, P-O-P. little <laughs> less edge. Yeah. Edge? Uh, what? <laughs> Don't spear me. Uh, I 
that's all I look. <laughs> How did how did how did you take this match? Now, obviously, as I've said a few times on the show before, you were selling me on Daniel Bryan when I was not watching WWE. I was a mark of the American Dragon. Yes. So you were you were a big Daniel Bryan fan. How satisfying was this for you? Uh, the the match itself, the night, and what capped it off with him holding. Well, like I said, I had a little bit of everything. It was an, it was an amazing match because you know Daniel Bryan, the scrapper, the other two guys. Orton, I think, does pretty well. I mean, my, my colleague probably disagree with me. I never mind Orton in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes he can get a little redundant, but I mean, oh, no, there's three in there. It's not that. I just think that Randy Orton, sometimes you can just tell he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing. It's like, okay. And like you yeah. said, they kept beating Daniel Bryan down, going back to the match that was one-on-one. It was telling the story of the underdog, and they threw everything they could against them. Even when Triple H came out with Stephanie, and they thought they were going to get one over with the sledgehammer. Turned it on him. Dive. I, I thought I had a little bit of everything. And it kept me on the edge of my seat because every time I thought Daniel Ryan was like, oh, he's not going to win, he'd find a way to kick out. Or yeah. he'd, 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 you know, get back up and get into the fight and kind of sh- change the tide. They literally squeezed, like, every ounce of suspense they could out of this match. And like you, like you said right at the top of the show, like, you talked about knowing what's going to happen. Like, predictability is not always bad. In this case, it wasn't because one, it was something we all wanted to see happen. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we, it's not like in 2015 when most of the fans just didn't want to see Roman Reigns be the champion or win the Rumble, and then he inevitably did. This was we we need to see this guy become the champion tonight, and they did everything they could to make us think he wasn't going to get there, and then of course he eventually overcomes and does it. So Alo, did you? Was there anything about the main event that maybe you liked a little more or less than when you watched it originally, or anything you maybe appreciated more watching it just now? Um. Well, this, this is probably my first time seeing this in a couple of years, so I do appreciate it even more than before because we complain about booking one on one all the all the time. It's like, okay, this is booking one on one. What's so what's so hard about this? And um. One thing, do we have, we have to thank CM Punk for this because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for CM Punk, we probably wouldn't even got this. Yeah, because no. he's he's quoted as saying that he told Vince, Vince, Batista's orange going to suck. Nobody wants to see it. <laughs> and then also watching this now in because I said I haven't watched this at least two years, and this happened in 2014, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so going so we all hear how we always talk about how people like. People say, well, Cesaro should be world champion, or um, Sami Zayn should be world mm-hmm. champion. Um, who else is the top guy, a guy everybody loves to think should be world champion? Um, Ryback. Yeah, Ryback. Ryback! <laughs> I'll get to him later. Yeah, there's been, I mean, Dolph that people were claiming. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler to be champion. There are plenty of guys. Yeah, like that. there's Seth plenty Rollins. of guys. Well, now, Seth Rollins doesn't really count. I'm not, I'll, I won't count Seth Rollins, but what does that mean if you're not the guy? Being a world champion is just a, a career highlight, and you get a, a get a picture taken with a belt. Yeah. At, at, at this point, and you get well, to say you're a champion. Yeah. Two, two belts. Yeah, two belts yeah. at this time. Two <laughs> belts at that. that. That's that's all it means. It doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean the company's like the company put the title on you, but that doesn't mean like you're a, a marquee guy. Because I said Daniel Bryan, you talk about Daniel Bryan on the um, top of the cage with the yes mm-hmm. chain, and not one person was standing. I mean, sitting down. Mm-hmm. Vince was like, probably like, okay, we got something here. Yeah. Which one of those guys that people say deserves to be world champion will ever garner that kind of reaction from a crowd? Because Daniel Bryan, like, 
his reign was incomplete because he had to relinquish the titles because we were supposed to get him versus Brock Mm -hmm. at SummerSlam instead of Cena because Cena Cena had to they had to put the belt on Cena yeah because Brian got hurt but in retrospect would Daniel Bryan be on the level of a John Cena or or just a bigger name who could actually main event a show instead of just being in the middle of the card in one of the octo main events (laughs) he'd just be the main event yeah, there are not a lot of guys who they could have put the title on who would have like taken the mantle. There's just been a guy that was holding the title for the next guy, really. Yeah, and that's and that's I mean, the, and that's the thing. Like people want yeah. these guys to be world champions, but it doesn't mean anything if you're not one of the top guys on the card. You say it's John Cena and everybody else. You'll still be a part of the everybody else unless you have something behind you. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Bryan, he had that. Yeah. There hasn't been anybody else. Like, like I said, I said it. I said it earlier. I mean, if, for short-lived as it was, it was it was an epic movement that could, you know, I mean, stand the test of time as far as how it switched, what WWE was doing, where they were going, and it sent a lot of things in motion. Yeah, yeah. and Brian actually got himself over with that because it wasn't just like a thing that they came up like like Kane, like Brian was with Kane doing this because. We said we talked about WrestleMania 28 See, a few weeks no. ago. Yeah, <laughs> like Kane, like Daniel Bryan. This was all Daniel Bryan. Like he got the personality came out and the yes chance start the the no chance and the yes chance that, that, that started. He got himself over. Yeah, and to the point where they threw him in the main event. Cena got Cena was hurt, so he had to drop the title to Bryan. But still, the fact that they put Bryan in that spotlight says a lot about what the guy actually accomplished and what yeah. he could have been mm-hmm. if it wasn't for injury. And as you touched upon earlier, I mean. Daniel Bryan ends up being hurt not too long after it has to relinquish the title and it kind of set into motion Roman Reigns being shoved down your throat and him getting booed because no one wanted him to win that Rumble. They wanted Daniel Bryan who came back and fought his way back in to win right. that Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Here we are today. Roman Reigns does not get cheered. He gets booed everywhere he goes because of this. Yeah, so last things before we close up the show. I want to ask you both a question, and you can just give me a yes or no answer. No. And then just give me your final thoughts on this show. So, Joey, I'll go to you first. Does Daniel Bryan wrestle again, whether it's in WWE or not? And then, of course, give me your final thoughts on WrestleMania 30. Yes, I think he wrestles again. I thought for a while they were teasing it with the possibility that he could wrestle Miz at WrestleMania, Mm -hmm. but that obviously isn't the course... Or where we're gonna end up? Yeah. Um, review of the show. I thought it was great. It had me captivated. What three, four years later, as it did the original show. Mm-hmm. Um, the matches that I did enjoy, I really enjoyed. I mean, outside of the the mess that was the Divas title. Yeah. Um, the rain. I mean, the um, Shield match, which was kind of just building up the Shield. It's it's a TV match. Other than that, I enjoyed every match for the most part. Um. Didn't get to say much about the Andre the Giant Royal Rumble. No disrespect to Andre the Giant. Wasn't a fan of it then. Still not a fan of it now. We have the Royal Rumble. We don't need this. Yeah. Winning that doesn't do anything for anyone who wins the the Battle Royal. You get you Let's do get, get to lug around that big trophy, though, for months. <laughs> you don't even see it that often. No. I've never seen uh, Baron Corbin carried around once. Maybe, maybe the first two weeks. He had it for weeks. a couple months. Well, he's, but still, he's still noted. As the yeah, he does he's noted. He's noted. But not a fan of that. Other outside of that, I thought the pay per view was excellent. I loved seeing the way they built Daniel Bryan in. They had your arguably your main star and two matches in the, in, in WrestleMania, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, 
John Cena, Bray Wyatt, they had that storyline at the time, which was I was a fan of. All around, it was a good show. Yeah. Alo, will Daniel Bryan wrestle again? Per Total Bells, I don't know if Brio let him. <laughs> because, like I said, his daughter's only. So bo- the chains are not off. The chains are not off. <laughs> but um, say so he has the birth of his daughter soon. I'm not sure. Like when you have a baby, he might mm-hmm. it might change his mom, change out. Because like I said, we don't know how serious WWE is going to clear him because you know WWE yeah. is. Unless he does, if he does it on his own power, he does it on, a, on his own power. But I don't think that when his daughter's born, I don't think he'll jeopardize that. Yeah. And um, what was the other question? Just final final thoughts okay. on WrestleMania 30. Um. Good storytelling. I'll give it that. Um, the filler matches, they were just filler. They didn't take up much time on the card. Mm-hmm. We got the mess of the Divas title. We got the Shield in Allos and Kane. That was whatever. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Hogan made a big deal about it when his first night back. <laughs> the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, brother. <laughs> but um, that was that was whatever whatever it was. They're trying to make it. They're still trying to make that a thing. They did a good job with it last past year with Baron Corbin, but I think it was a real good card. Real good card. The storytelling was great on this card. That's the main thing you can't take away in professional wrestling and in sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. The storytelling is really what matters the most. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I do think we see Daniel Bryan wrestle again. I think he's like dead set on it, but I do hope that he doesn't, um, for the sake that he's got a wife. They've only been married a few years. Got married what the like a week later mm-hmm. after this show. Um, he's about to have a newborn baby, and the, God only knows the the physical and you know mental uh, complications he could put himself through by getting back into the ring. I don't want to see him do it, but I I think I don't he think loves it so much. Again. Yeah, I, even still, like I I just think he should. Hang it up. He should be happy with the time that he had, and live the rest of his life the best he can. I know it's this. This was like his passion, but I just don't. I don't want to see it because I think only bad things can. I I don't see anything great coming out of it. I see only negatives to him doing it. Well, it's hard to watch that vignette they had of him leading into this WrestleMania and not Mm -hmm. want to see him in the ring again. Oh yeah, like (laughs) I I would have fun watching him, but it would be kind of like the way I watched Joel Embiid. Where it's like every time I see him move, I'm like, oh, God, he's no, going to no, get he's hurt. Done. Oh, God, he's, he's going to get hurt again. Oh, his career's over. Like, that's literally the way I'd be watching. So for, for those of you who can't see us, Ron, Ron was just doing the Home Alone pose. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, but that video package from the first match, um, the Monster song, mm-hmm. perfect. It was awesome. Highlighting his whole career, perfect. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so in my final thoughts on the show, like I said, New Orleans, one of my favorite cities, has a very special place in my heart. It was cool to see them host WrestleMania. I'm excited for them to host WrestleMania again next year. Much love uh, to the Silver Dome. Yeah, the Silver Dome. I thought this was a really fun show. This was part of my personal journey to getting back into being a hardcore WWE fan. Um, so yeah, holds it holds a special place for me. You guys, you guys like me in any way after watching this WrestleMania, kind of dreading what we have to look forward to for the, the very next one. I'm not dreading it yet because. We still have a couple weeks to see where they go. I think I'm still looking forward to see where they go. But we, we kind of know where they're going booking-wise. Do do, I, do you feel any of matches that we're going to see there are going to be on the level of some of the matches we saw here? Oh, yeah. Story-wise story and everything? Story-wise, some of the matches will be there. Not all, not all of them. Because the card's actually not bad. Because we're, we're going to get Rollins Triple H, which that has a, that's a story in itself. The only match I can really say I don't care for is going to be Goldberg versus Brock. Yeah, I'm not gonna care about that. I mean, Rollins, 
Triple H is probably going to be the best match. Just like CM Punk said, Batista and Orton's going to suck and nobody wants to see it. <laughs> That's how I feel about Brock and Bill. That's yes, Brock and Bill. <laughs> well, another thing. Yeah. If Dan Bryan does come back, mm-hmm. where do you want to see him? You want to see him in the new wrestling in Japan? You want to see him in the Honorable Ring? The subter- sub- subterranean luchadors? <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. The subterranean luchadors would probably be the best place for him <laughs> because there's less of a focus. I feel now, granted, I've only seen like a half hour of Lucha Underground. I feel like there's less of a focus on him bumping all over the place and more of a focus on production. Am I right in that sense? Yeah. Um, it's a very finite filming schedule. <laughs> it's not like he's going to be on the road two, three hundred days a year. They're filming this stuff, and then I would assume he's got some time off. So while it may not, as much as I'm sure people would love to see him in New Japan or Ring of Honor again, I think if he went to Lucha Underground for his life, that would be the best <laughs> case scenario. What about on Lucy Dragon? Lucy, <laughs> if he gets on Lucy Dragon, I, I I really commend him because... It's tough, it's tough to get on that? Yeah, well, Lucy Dragon hasn't even officially started yet. Oh, damn. You can't even find it on Google. So That's crazy. No matter how hard you try. I want to see him broken. Yeah? I mean, that'd be cool. I wouldn't broken. hate that. I don't know his middle name, but... I don't know either. We'll have to Googs it. Googs. You have to Googs it. We'll have to Googs it, but... You guys, are, you guys have nicknames for each other? Him with him with, him with the Hardys. I love... I mean, that would be great. Anything with the Hardys. It would be awesome. Can you Googs Can you Googs your cousin's name? No. <laughs> he doesn't want to know that cousin's name. Oh, he was there, too. Um, the front... The every show guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brock Lesnar guy was there. I saw his reaction to Undertaker losing. Oh. <laughs> Go what? figure. Brother Lloyd. <laughs> Are you kidding me? His name is Brian Lloyd Danielson? Yeah. Brother Lloyd. Well, there you have it. He needs to join up with with the broken hearty. Um, I think that's it. Anybody else have anything they want to add? Great show. All right. Great show, yeah. Yes, agreed. So, for Mr. Sexy Punakana, then now forever, C.K. Joe Rottermill. For... Feel the sexy. <laughs> the voice that runs the place. The European champion. Bangor, Maine's favorite son, Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next week. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.